This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London Is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, my host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we've got the Crystal Palace match review ahead of us. It is post-boxing day. The festivities are starting to calm down a little bit, Dan. But uh, good news for us is we got a little bit of a party coming coming this way. A yeah, party? very excited to talk about a win after what's just been the most up and down month, Dan. It's been crazy. I mean, I guess it'll be good. You know, I mean, it's, it's right before New Year's. It should be a festive period. Chelsea are trying to make sure that we can at least have some type of positive momentum heading into 2024, both in their football and our enjoyment. So if the stars align that way, Brandon, I think that'd be great for all of us. I Look, we've got a lot of, a lot of progress to go, but we're going to celebrate this one. Uh, one match at a time is really where we're at with this group. Uh, we'll talk about the first half and just the, the electricity running through the offense. In the second half, we'll talk about the changes, just how it became disjointed, and, and obviously uh, touch on the hero of the day. But uh, before we get into all of that good, good stuff, uh, we got the three-word match reviews, Dan, the official uh sentiment meter of the fans we'll come up with something better than that in terms of how we pitch it next time but i like where you're heading with it we had jay with the sucked but one question mark yes we did in fact win and uh, there was some suck so that is that is very fair very fair assessment mr george smiley with the smash and grab very accurate we had jason with the lucky shirt lives who let us know that he broke out his porto shirt the shirt he wore on the day of the Champions League final for the first time since then. You, and the you shirt know things are bad. Came good. <laughs> yes, that was very good. Mike Williams with the Malo Misha Matawake talking about three guys who got it done on the pitch. Our boy Jeff Duck's daddy with the Con Heads Unite. A little bit of a secession reference there. Fantastic. We had JKT with the Mudrick Matawake. Battlestar Galactica, like Gallagher. <laughs> Very good. Nice office reference there. Yeah, Tyson with the no knee saves the day, but N-O-K-N-E-E. -E. Very good little pun there. It's Spanish Joe with the needed three points. And then one that made me ask a question to both of you, Lay or uh, with the light a candle, sent the photo of the candle. It is lit. It has a label on it that says smells like a Chelsea win. What would a Chelsea win smell like? Oh, for me, anyway, it's it's a gin and tonic with a little bit of lime in there for a post-celebratory beverage. I mean, that sounds right. I'll tell you what a loss smells like. <laughs> Sambuca. Thanks, Chidge. I still haven't gotten that out of my oh. nightmares. <sighs> so whatever the opposite of that is. Or the police horse poop outside of the bridge, you know. There's also there. that. Yeah, uh, but not our problem today. No, no, no. Uh, I went with second Terry coming, question mark. Uh, I just had to give a nod to Alfie, Alfie Gilchrist on the day. Uh, clearly, a lot has to happen for him to be the next JT, but uh, you just got to love the, the lack of physical awareness for his own safety from that guy. Uh, love to see it. Dan, what about you? I went with Powered by Lemonade. Look, I tried a Panera Supercharged Lemonade today. During the match, I was living dangerously. I, I will say it was quite quite powerful. Haven't haven't people died after drinking that? Why did you do that? 
Look, you know, I was just trying to also, like our guy with the Porto shirt, trying to spice it up a little bit, trying to do something a little bit different. This might be the pathway. You know, Patch believes in lemons. This is lemonade. Nick, you drink triple espressos in London. We've all seen it. Like, it might as well be the same Quads. Quads. Hey, look, what I do do with my body is no concern of yours. Uh, I went with Potch's Great Escape. A lot of people like watching The Great Escape this time of year. Felt like he needed this one today. And uh, it just, you know, all the way down to the wire, but he, but he sure got it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank gosh. Uh, before we get into it all, Dan, a huge shout out to our massive, amazing community of lovely, lovely people. Well, yeah, we want to thank everybody who leaves wonderful five-star views on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Great time during all these festive meetings and greetings with people to let them know to sign up for the podcast subscribe on youtube as well because you also get the bell icon to get notified there on our quest for thirty thousand subscribers so we appreciate everybody who joins us over there as well you can also sign up for our free weekly email that sam puts out it was one day delayed because he wanted to include some palace notes there so you're getting a special thursday edition and then uh, of course you know we'll be back for a luton preview as well and if you want to jump into the conversation hit up our discord great community Boy, oh boy, they've been having tons of fun on Chelsea and non-Chelsea topics that they chat about. So get involved, get stuck in. Let's talk about the match, Brandon. All right. Well, you know it was Crystal Palace this past Wednesday. Did not feel like it. The 27th of December in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge in Casey Mestit. Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace 1. Goals coming from Mudrick in the 13th minute. 45th plus one, who else than Olise? Apparently it was almost a blue this summer. And then in the 89th minute, Maduweke, sealing it all three points. So let's run through the lineup, Dan, and see how uh, Poch got this done. Well, it was Petrovic between the sticks, no surprise. Mel Augusto, Axel Dissassi, Bilma Bereshiel, and Levi Colwell started as your defense. That is not how it would end. Moises Caicedo and Conor Gallagher as your midfielders. And then a 4 Attackers, four attackers in total. Mikhailo Mudrik, Christopher Nkunku, Ian Motson, and Nico Jackson up top. It was all five subs again. That's right, Pochettino. This might become a habit if you keep on doing this, but it was a 58th-minute sub for Colwell and Matson, who were replaced by Thiago Silva and Romeo Lavia, getting his Chelsea debut on the day. And then you had Armando Broya and Nani Madueke coming in the 71st minute for Mudrik and Nkunku. And then you had Alfie Gilchrist, as we mentioned earlier, coming in in the four, in the 90th minute, number 42, for Benoit Badia-Shiel and getting that Chelsea men's senior team debut what a day for a couple of these guys getting some big ups there. Well, some of the top lane stats, Chelsea with a 2.74 XG to Palace's 1.08. We had 64% possession. We had nine shots, four on target. Palace had 13 shots with five on target. Three of ours missed the frame. Two were blocked. Uh, from there, we had 13 fouls to their 16, but we had three cautions there too. I have a problem with this one. Uh, then we had scroll down. There we go. Five big chances. Three missed. Palace only had one big chance, which we'll talk about later, which is uh, an improvement on the day. And then goalkeeper saves four for Petrovic and one for Dean Henderson. Those are where we land. But we have the one random stat from Adop to Joe. One, Chelsea have named their youngest ever Premier League starting 11. 23 years in 21 days. It's the youngest 11 named by a Premier League team since 
Maine United versus Crystal Palace in May of 2017, which is 22 years, 284 days, and the eighth youngest ever by any side in the Premier League history budding. Look, May of 2017, Nick, that's really close to like, hey, we've got the title wrap. We're just throwing in the kids. We, you know, we're resting players maybe for Champions League or or FA Cup final or something like that. This is the middle of the season, like points needed, very competitive. And out of necessity, too. You look who was out today, either by suspension or injury, and it's you know, I mean, you're you're playing these young cats uh on merit and on necessity. Um and it's you know, again, said before the season, fun and frustrating. Um, we got a little bit more of the fun today than it, than it was previously against Wolves. Um, but, you know, it's going to come with the frustrating, too. These guys are all incredibly young. No Tiago Silva in there for most of the game surely makes a difference in that in that age uh, statistic. But, you know, it's it, this is the bet that the sporting directors have made. They're going young. They're going to see if these guys can blossom into a team over a period of years. TBD. Yeah. Yeah. Sterling and Silva really, really dropped this one. Uh, we did have an end pet shit out some of the match, though. Look, you guys called this out uh, as we were kind of talking pre pod, but it is one of the, <laughs> the funnier uh, gifts that you will see on the internet today. Elfie Gilchrist only in for about a minute or two before this happens. They're trying to keep the ball down at the palace end and they try and float it over and he goes full thundering into try and win a header completely misses it uh and almost i think hits the referee uh the line judge on the, on the side here but it was uh you know what it's extra commitment and he wins the shit ass moment of the match for this because that's what i want to see out of my guys just no no excuses full bore let's let's win the ball back let's keep that thing down there more on Alfie coming. Absolutely love the commitment to the cause. We're going to take our first ad break when we get back. Uh, first half, talk about those attackers. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, Chess fans, we're back with another partnership through the end of the year. We got NordVPN coming at you to make sure you are safe and you're able to watch Chelsea no matter where you are traveling during the holiday season. A lot of you know I just got back from Costa Rica from Thanksgiving with the family, and guess what? I used a VPN to watch Chelsea while I was traveling. Uh, I was able to watch it on Peacock, no problems at all. So if you're traveling out of the country this holiday season, make sure to get NordVPN so you don't miss uh, when we play Wolves on the 24th, when we play again after Boxing Day, and again, before the end of the year there are tons of matches coming up you don't want to miss a single one the other thing to think about are you want to see, watch match of the day are you trying to see the bbc coverage sky coverage you can do it with over 5,000 servers from nordvpn so if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue you're going to go ahead and pick the plan that's right for you and we're going to give you four extra months for being a fan of london is blue that's right you get an extra four months hanging out with us we absolutely appreciate you checking them out now if you aren't using a vpn hey i hate to break it to you you're the only one not only do they keep you secure and all your information is encrypted no more ip address tracking the other thing is they've doubled down and they've added threat protection feature so say goodbye to intrusive website ads malware even if you download an infected file threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer go to nordvpn.com for London is blue. Try it. Huge holiday deal. There's no risk. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee with NordVPN. That's how much they believe in the product. Support our sponsor, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. Go watch match today. Go watch Chelsea if you're traveling. Never going to have to worry about being tracked on the internet again. Link in the description. You know what to do. 
All right. So first half was fun. Look, we were in Discord. We were enjoying it. Uh, I forgot who made the comment, but they're like, this half flew by. And like, Dan, that's what happens when you're having fun, right? When you're on the front foot. But if we all remember, Palace actually had us on the ropes for about the first 10 minutes. So it took a little while for Chelsea to get warmed up. But with five changes made to the lineup for Poch, there's always going to be a little bit of betting in time. There was also the 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 analysis, Dan, of how Palace, you know, had multiple more days of preparation because they played the first match of the last round, uh, Chelsea just having played. So, you know, there's a couple different reasons maybe, but um, after those 10, 12 minutes, cooking with gas, baby. Well, opportunity for Pacino to freshen up the side. We talk about big debuts for players. I mean, a start for Nkunku, very, very exciting to see him get involved. I mean, Malo Gusto getting an opportunity to start as well, looking like he is recovered after that injury that kept him out for a long spell. And Mikhailo Mudrik, who got involved on the defensive side, it was had some really fun runs, really good involvement from a passing perspective, him and Nkunku in particular. I mean, look, you, you kind of had a bit of a stranded grouping when you look at the pass maps in terms of Nico and Nkunku and Mudrik from the rest of the grouping, Nick. But I think in general, I, I liked Nkunku's start. I think you're going to see him continue to play, maybe start and sub and start and sub through the remainder of the holiday period until we can get back to the one match a week. Um, but at least for right now, feeling good that he's evolved, feeling good it's another game without an injury, feeling good it's another game where we saw him add some value in the attacking perspective. No necessarily goal or assist to his name, but I, I liked what I'm seeing. Yeah, I, I thought this was maybe a little bit less effective than his sub-appearances, um, just if I'm being honest. But, I mean, it's obvious that the dude is quality, and you could tell that because Crystal Palace seemingly was man-marking him for a large part of the first half, trying to keep a body on him so that he wasn't able to make those runs off of the ball or contribute with kind of key passes in, in critical areas. So I I think that there's some real value that's going to be derived from him, maybe, you know, just not fully, fully starting quite yet. But I think Mudrik, I mean, we have to talk about it. Uh, I thought it was certainly one of his better performances. He was moving the ball effectively. He was interchanging specifically with Jackson uh, in a really effective way. And seem to, you know, get into more dangerous areas than I've seen for some time with him. Because I, I really, you know, I think part of the the allure of him is that he's so fast, right? He can he can really burn down the down the sideline. But is he getting into dangerous areas to make a play for a teammate or to score a goal? And today, just off of a broken you know sequence, Brandon, he goes in. Uh, distributes the ball out, was you know kind of gets passed around a little bit, is in a dangerous area to receive a pass and score a goal. Uh, Malagusto ends up doing a ridiculous, crazy overlap from the right-hand side to the left-hand side, kind of falling to play. And he's there, and he scores. And he should have had two in the half as well if he you know is able to kind of finish the second one. So uh, I think this was a, a big improvement for him. And I you know he certainly didn't have um you know an easy time of it but it was uh it was a really solid performance guys this is preseason vibes right if you think about this mudrick on the wing jackson up top matson at right wing when none of us knew why <laughs> christopher yep. and cuckoo yep. in behind and two center mids this was preseason written all over it and it looked like it too the free flowingness by the way nico jackson 
where was this player been? Like he he was holding off defenders. He was driving the attack forward. He was doing little flick layoffs. I mean, he did everything but score, right? And granted, we wanted him to score, and offsides is still oh. a problem. But like th- this team, like this was preseason vibes again, and I was feeling it. They and it was fun to watch. We all got overexcited and we're like, ah, we don't need Raheem Sterling. Ah, we don't need this player. We are good. But what I will say is we've seen it for a few matches now. It almost seems like the team is better off with two workhorses in in the midfield, right? And and that's something I'll probably touch on a little bit, but like the, the two-man workhorse midfielder is working uh, with the high press and things like that. So um, that, that was uh, pretty good, but y- you have to hone in on Mudrick, right? Um, Nick, I think to your point, we played into his strengths today better than we have on a lot of other days too. And that's what I get confused about. Like, how do, how do, how do we go from like this this roller coaster of a season up down topsy turvy, and then we get one of these where we're just like we're on fire. Looks like we know what we're doing. And I'm like, this would be the day you'd expect us to be disjointed and not connected because of all the subs and things. But I, I don't know. I just tried to ride the wave while I could and and run into it. But um, yeah, Mudrik. Let's see. Um, he had one big chance. Obviously, he got the goal. Um. 0.49 XG alone. Let's see. 82 pass percentage, which I think is important because I don't think he's like a super accurate pinpoint player, but it seemed like everything he did came off today. One key pass, um, two for three on his long balls, which again, a little bit of a, an impressive for him. Two shots on target. And we only had, what, four on target in the entire match? So he had half our shots on target. <laughs> you, you just you want to see him finish the second one. I think, yeah. you know, you, you look at that interchange that happened. He obviously passes the ball in. You know, Nico Jackson does a great kind of heel flick into him, into his pathway. He's clearly fast enough to split the center backs. The touch was heavy, and it took him into a spot where we, he wasn't able to shoot the ball accurately. That's the next level for him. Like, the one-touch finish, great. You know, we, we can't get enough goals in this team. So the one-touch finish, super happy about that. It's that, do you have enough class in that final touch before you shoot, right? This team has struggled to convert these big chances. You're not going to see an easier big chance to convert with the way that that pass was laid off to him. The touch just wasn't there. And so, like, there's there's places for his game to go. But obviously, this was a huge positive for him and and where he's going to go with his, with his season, potentially. Because right now, if you're Potch, there is no consistency in the attack. You know, whether you're playing Raheem Sterling at left wing or Mudrick, whether you're playing Ian Matson at right wing or Mataweke at right wing or Palmer at right wing, who's probably the most consistent of the bunch, or Jackson or Broya or Nkunku. Like there there's just so many different combinations out there that you have to have good performances like he had today to get a sniff in the team. So I really hope he starts to build on this. He's starting to get a little bit more confidence. You see that he's starting to engage with his teammates a little bit more. My hope is that this is the start of a run for him and 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 that he's able to contribute more in terms of the final product than than just the really great sprints in behind. He would need six more goals at this point to equal his highest goal contrib- like goals for a season as a senior team player, which was the 2022-2023 season for Shakhtar across all comps. So he had 18 goal contributions that season. So he's at five right now, 
in the 10 starts and 19 matches that he's played in and about six or sorry, but yeah, 500 less minutes between that. So he extrapolated out. I mean, he, he should be on a pathway to double digit goal contributions, Brandon, but I think, you know, the, maybe the better thing is the fact that this also came off of a, off of an attacker or of a, of a wingback actually setting up an attacker and the attacker converting it. And like Malagusto did some hard work to set up Mudrick to take advantage of it. Yes, yeah, started on the on the left, ended up on the right. You know, it was all over on that one. Uh, last thing on Mudrick, he he tackled back, right? How many times did he help out on that left wing blocking crosses? So uh, he was doing all of the good work. Uh, but you talked about Balagusto, who was absolutely uh, a man on fire today, right? A little bit sloppy in, in certain fa- in certain situations, but overall, like. You couldn't do anything but but clap the man. Um, not only did he dominate the the right flank, so he was going up against Ayu, which is probably enjoyable for him that he could be very offensive and not worry too much about it. Um, his tackers again were on full display, Dan, um, and then ended up having a, a great second half on on his weaker, less dominant side as well. So Malagusto, um, man, I mean, just just dominated the entire match was electric tackle techers um thank god we signed a a a, a good yeah. deputy for reese james knowing that he's just inconsistent unfortunately well and the nice thing is that he's also maybe not adding the goals that reese james added within his game where you would count upon him to you know be a double digits from a goal plus assist contribution but this is actually this performance today brings him level with Connor gallagher at four for assist across the season so now he is the joint top assister on the team like that is a good thing in addition to being a reliable defender in what he was contributing and if he can develop some synergy i loved love the photo of Mudrick and him staring down one another after the goal and Mudrick's smile and finger pointing at him. That type of chemistry that he's developing, whether it's on the right-hand side or whether it's on the left-hand side, wherever he needs to be right now, Nick, this was one of his best performances for Chelsea, and he showed up in a big way on a day where Chelsea needed to rebound, and you can't be anything other than happy for him and happy for us as supporters because we're getting to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was my man of the match for sure. And I, you know, I think back to, you know, when you talked to Matt law last year, Brandon, about that signing and the fact that we waited for him instead of going with the, you know, option that would have been available to us sooner. I mean, we, we saw him in preseason for two full weeks. We've seen him uh, not only make his Premier League debut, but, be really good um, for most of the season so far. You know, he's had his moments where he hasn't been as good either. But you know, I think overall, you're seeing a player grow in confidence and grow into this team. And <clears throat> God, we need him to stay healthy. I mean, the difference it makes to have a true fullback playing fullback, uh, as opposed to a center back playing fullback, and the way that this team wants to play. The overlaps between him and Matson were fantastic today. I thought they both did a great job kind of neutralizing the threat on that right side. Um, it was just a, a thing to behold. And it, it does make you, you know, if, if he can stay healthy, it does make you confident that Reese is going to get the time he needs to fully, fully, fully recover this time and not just like half recover, you know? 
I mean, he got he had a surgery, so like uh, we we've got time. We just need Malagusta to stay healthy now because he's had his injuries. Uh, but the, the the first half, there was some positive. We still wasted four big chances, or we had four big chances. Three were missed. You had the Ian Motson shot in the ninth. Just Dean Henderson again got his under nether regions to it. Uh, just slowed it down enough. Uh, Mudrick had his shot in the 32nd minute, um, which obviously went in. Well, maybe not the second one, like you are talking about earlier, Nick. But we need to kind of just continue to get this there. I mean, we only had nine shots all match four on target and when you pull the first half stats here um six of the nine shots came in the first half so that just shows you the differences in fluidity and, and the ability to create so um i don't know dan if we have a good solution behind that i mean everyone's kind of looking at strikers and things but um again the xg was there the buildup was there we're just uh, not not quite getting that final product. I, I know a lot of people are shocked to hear that we were a hundred shots behind Liverpool and just the difference that potentially could make in, uh, in our spot in the table. Yeah. I mean, Potch made some interesting decisions in the first half. I think Emotson playing further forward was just an odd option, but I know we obviously have players who are injured. We want to give Cole Palmer some rest. We want to give Raheem Sterling some rest. You can't necessarily play. Rest through suspension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rest. Uh, I mean, look, it's it's a holiday season. I'm trying to be polite about it. But, you know, uh, ultimately, that is uh, the discipline issue. That is another problem that still has yet to be solved, particularly on a day where your manager picks up another caution. Uh, as it were, Chelsea just continue to cause problems there. But when you think about the left back of Colwell continuing to play as a left back and not a center back, you know, Batty Ashiel not having kind of a great day out in terms of, or a great run actually of games. So I think there's some individual errors that are just loss of concentration, I think, in terms of the the game state of where he is, where hit where the attacker is behind him, where he is in proximity to the ball, the, the time that he has. I mean, he's kind of been a cool customer for the vast majority of the time that he's been at Chelsea, particularly last season, you know, in a tough season, you know, he was kind of a guy that you could look to to be a little bit more solid, be a little more dependable, Nick. But, I mean, I think there are still a lot of questions around people playing in the right position. And I think I still give Poch a little credit in terms, or at least not necessarily credit, but uh, a little bit of a pass when you still have multiple players out due to injury or suspension that would be your first choice and you are trying to makeshift a couple of things. But it does continue to be a little bit of a head-scratcher when you could have said, played Matson, you know, at, at left back if he really wanted to. Well, or, or just tweak the formation. I mean, I thought, you know, when we all looked at the lineup initially, we were like, oh, surely this is the back five with wingbacks, you know, just the way that the personnel was set up. And I think if you're nervous about Matson, you know, taking on Elise one-on-one, which, you know, by the way, anyone is going to have their hands full with Elise one-on-one. That dude is a real player. I mean, you know, it, would look good in blue someday for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think then you, you play wingbacks and, and you, and you bracket him, you know, we did that so many times, uh, in the past. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a little confused by that. Not because Monson doesn't have quality, but it's like, you could have played Matoeke for 90 minutes. He's clearly match fit. You know, he's clearly eager to come on at that right wing position and a position, which he is, uh, naturally suited for, 
you know, and if, if things go sideways, you can always make those changes. But I, you know, I think, I think the stubbornness with maybe this back four center back conundrum that we have, you know, fullback conundrum could be alleviated a little bit. If you just change some things up, not because you want to, but because you have to, you know, the personnel would suggest that we have enough for, you know, three center backs across the back, Gusto and Matson flanking the wings and kind of overlapping, providing that sort of balance. And then you have your, you know, your two central midfielders. And we've seen that, you know, uh, formation play out really well for us in the past. So I was a little bit confused by that. And I think it puts Colwell in a really, really, really difficult position uh, as a center back, trying to keep up with Elise, who is a fleet footed winger. I mean, with all the tricks in his bag that, that he has. So, you know, I, this is like the third or fourth game in a row that we've seen Colwell get isolated, struggle to keep up, and then gets, you know, eventually get the hook. And I just don't think you're putting him in a position to succeed that way, personally. I think we were all kind of surprised he didn't go with the back five, but just it just doesn't seem like something Potch wants to do. It, it felt like it would have been a good move, would have played to the player's strengths, it wouldn't have really changed the dynamics of the – of the of the team too much but i will say that 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 front four was almost a counterbalance in the first half right it, it changes completely in the second half it starts to get broken up um we're defending far more than we were in the first half and, and that changes so there is always that side if you can dominate a match it doesn't really matter unfortunately palace knew exactly what they wanted to do when they saw that lineup card come out they were like yep we're going down our right everything to elise let him run at levi and um even levi stepping to the headers what uh, allowed elise to get his goal right at the end um i think it was a little bit of like elise versus body or i'm sorry levi versus body shield on the goal right at the end dan and kind of who is to blame um, you know, someone in Discord again. I apologize. A lot, it moves. a lot of people said Caicedo was to blame too. And I, Caicedo, I, and look, he th- there are tracking. multiple culprits in every goal we give up. Most goals are not an individual error. It's usually whomever is the closest when the ball goes off that gets a lot of the blame. And I think Badishil took of took a, some of it. I think Caicedo deservedly would get some. I think Colwell could be. You know, Cole was probably trying to get back uh to you know, be in support of Betty Ashiel. But I think in general, Brandon, maybe this is the point you're trying to make, but like all these goals don't happen in isolation. Like the typically these have been team failings. Well I mean, yeah. Le- Levi misses the header and, and I, I think you know should should be tracking his guy a lot more close. This was not a set piece. No. Right? He should be tracking Elise a lot more closely than he was. And I think he jumped either too early or too late to get the ball. I can't remember which. And then Elisa is in, that's acres of space for a Premier League winger. I mean, I don't blame Petrovic at all for that. I, like that, that to me is just, that's an open net as far as a lot of, you know, those types of players are concerned. And he is a really, really good player. I mean, he, he cooked today and Mal only slightly slowed him down. You know, I, I think a lot of fullbacks are going to struggle against that dude. He only has three goals somehow. Of course, he was going to score today. But, like, you know, you look at that and you're like, that that dude is quality. Really good. He was injured, which has hurt his uh, ability to maybe add as many goals this season. So, yeah, um, long story short, Caicedo doesn't track, but he also doesn't let Levi know. Levi doesn't check his back shoulder. He steps as if he are, is a center back to the person in front of him. 
it's him and Body Shield. Neither one get there, and then Elise chests it down. And to your point, has the class to just bury that. And we ended up going into the half one-one. Super frustrating uh, after all the the good momentum, positive positivity we had done. But that also goes to kind of like draw a line of linearity within the season. Say we've not been clinical enough, and like games that we should have put teams to sword, we haven't. And this is just another example of that. So into into halftime we went um, with very much heads hanging and uh, wasn't sure we're going to get from the second half with Potch and and this team and how they're going to be able to rebound based on things that go. But uh, before we get into the second half, we're going to take a last ad break. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. So yeah, we came out in the second half. I don't know, still a little little slow, a little sluggish. It was. It was super downtrodden it felt like the team had got a ass kicking at halftime did not respond super well to start the hot it was not what you wanted to see but it was also a little bit predictable just because um we had gone a goal down palace had energy they had momentum they they were looking forward to it and uh it just it you know it was a grind it seemed like everything we've been doing right dan stopped for some reason and then you get the JT tweet in the middle of the match says, we need to play and run forward more. We keep playing backwards, allowing Palace to get everyone behind the ball. We have to win our tackles all over the pitch. And that was those are some of the basic things that just weren't happening, and, and we needed something to change. We needed someone to grab this team, which, again, how many times have we said that all season? Well, I think also, too, when in the moment living it versus going back to just reflect on it, I think you would feel, like, if you looked at the stats, you'd be like, wow, Crystal Palace came alive in the second half. Did they really, though? Are we sure about that? Are we sure they actually were alive in the second half? Because you look at it, the defense improved to really make life difficult for Crystal Palace. And, like, part of that was the substitutes, right? Lavia coming on for Matson in the 50th minute, along with Silva coming on for Colwell. A little bit of a change in how we were supporting all of our players. Eight shots to Chelsea's three in the second half, but five of those eight were blocked or off target. And they, they registered no big chances. Like, again, like that is what had been so good for us previously under former managers. Like, yes, our attack was struggling at times, but we weren't making it very easy for other teams to get anything out of it. There was no juice left in the fruit. Like, there was nothing to squeeze out of it. And at least I I took that as frustrating as the attack was, Nick. That was something that brought me a little bit of joy in that moment, in that pain, in that suffering of the attack not going off. That really Palace, and maybe this is a little bit more to the quality of them under Roy Hodgson, just struggle. And Chelsea were able to snuff out really anything that was even remotely dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I obviously listen to the preview that you and Sam did. Um, and I think, you know, I agreed with how they played this year. But Palace under Hodgson, if you think about the way that they finished the season, they were a much more dynamic attacking outfit than we were. I mean, they were scoring goals for fun at the end of the last season. I don't know what's gone wrong for them since that point, why they're so kind of sheltered in. Maybe it's injuries or something like that. But, I mean... I don't compare our attack to theirs or feel better because they're slightly worse than we are. I, you know, if we're playing, honestly, if we're playing a better team today, we lose. Uh, If we play a more clinical team today, we lose. 
This team just was not up for it for most of the second half. Finally got going a little bit, you know, after, um, you know, the, the couple of critical subs were made and, and, you know, Noni comes on and stuff like that. But I just, <clears throat> for whatever reason, it seems like this team has one good half in them so far this year. It's not, you know, we've seen very few complete games. First half, great. Second half, great. First half, good. Second half, good. Usually you get one or the other. And the way that we started the half, Brandon, I was really, really concerned that we were going to stink up the place. The, the, you know, the, the announcers were saying that the mood at the bridge is tense, which you could say at any game this year, <laughs> it's been, it's been a tough year to watch at the bridge, but you know, the, this team really needs to put a couple of consistent good performances together for me to kind of believe that they're better than where we are. For sure. Look, a run of any sort is what this team needs. That's what we're saying. One match at a time, this roller coaster win, lose bullshit. Like we got to stop. We got to, we got to stop the negative momentum, get three points, which we did today. We knew it wouldn't move us up the table, but we needed to stop the bleed and, and this was an important one. We can't keep losing to teams below us in the table and expect to do anything this season. So, look, we had some subs come through, right? Really changed the team, changed the shape. People were going from left to right, right to left, middle to out. And, and I don't know, like, damn, Potch kind of just threw the kitchen sink at this one, right? Getting, getting Broy on for a winger. Sometimes he's got two strikers. Um, Matawake coming on, but he's not in his normal position. It, at the end of the day, you know, Tiago Silva coming on as well, and that completely shifted the back line, all these things. Like, there's a lot of movement. I think that's what really concerned me um, was just how much disruption our subs created. And we've seen this before this season. But I, at the same time, I think we don't have like for likes, like in this team right now. No. And he needed to change it. And I would say at the end of the game, when we were winning, it was great to lump it forward to Broya and let him hold it in the corner. But overall, um, it, he he went for something. I don't know. No one's really been happy about Pacha's subs for the most part this season. Everyone seems to be very uh, questioning of, of any time he makes these subs. Well, again, there's there's two goalkeepers on the bench. There's Leo and Alex from the youth setup who did not get called into this game. And there's a host of players who are either in the stands or injured or out due to suspension. So I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like the question is like, don't sub. Is it don't sub with like the, this again goes back to the pointing the finger at like where maybe the point, the true problem is. And maybe that true problem is how we recruited, how we set up the squad to be ready for this season. I also think, to be fair to the sporting directors and the sporting regime, even though people don't want to be, is that you also can't plan for maybe this many injuries. And what you should be planning for is how to fix that problem moving forward so that you don't have so much of the repeat issue that you're running into. But I'm I'm not sure what else you're looking for Posh to do when he know that there's another game coming up before the end of the year. We're going to play Luton, High Fly and Luton, who are continuing to eke out some results here. They are not the same side, at least in the way that they are attacking other teams that we played earlier in the season and getting all of our six points that looked assured the first time we played them is going to be more difficult. And it's going to require players being a little rested going into this. And so 
I know maybe there were questions about the subs and it's more about, I think to the point you made earlier, Nick, it's how we're deploying the players that feels weird, not necessarily that who we're using, because I think people are rightfully giving Poch a pass on having to play certain players and more so concerned about how he is deploying them. Yeah, I I think the deployment's an issue. I also think that, you know, there have been players, and I know that Noni's been injured, um, you know, a lot of players have been injured, but, you know, felt like he was kind of frozen out for a little bit. You know, it feels like, you know, we talked about Tread being frozen out. It feels like there's options. Alex Matos, you know, maybe an option, you know, that hasn't quite been used for reasons, you know, um, thinking about, you know, your Matsons who have been kind of underutilized this year, even though we've had a crisis at left back. Again, all this is revisionist history. We're, we're playing Monday morning quarterback here, and that's, you know, not really that fair to do. But I think even in the moment, Brandon, you're seeing like, wow, you know, Colwell's really struggling against, uh, you know, Olise one-on-one. Shouldn't we do something about that? <laughs> and it felt like it was just a very slow react. And I think there have been plenty of games where, you could have hooked a bunch of players in the first half um, for, for their performances. And I know that's a tough man management thing to do, but you know, it feels like sometimes a little slow to the draw for me. Yeah. I think it was early the last match. Um, let's see. Uh, Wolves. I feel like he did around the 60th minute and Cuckoo came on um, some in the 75th, but it, it, it's just up and down. Th- this game was, it, it said it fizzled in the second half, but we're talking about Matawake absolutely maximized his 28 minutes, right? I mean, think about his mentality. He has a left back, left wing back, starting at right wing over him in this match. (laughs) That's probably not great uh, for the old confidence in this case. And we've seen a couple cameos from Matawake, and now he's healthy again recently, seen some positive things, but he really cemented it today. Um, His confidence is oozing, so you know he's fully fit. And the way he drew the penalty was fantastic, right? Uh, A a half clearance, top of the box. He sees Olise, or Eze, I can't remember, coming out. And just... Eze, yeah. Eze, just... He just cuts it across his body. Let's the the defender run into him. He didn't drag his feet. He didn't create the contact. I mean, this was the most clear-cut penalty I've ever seen. And it's absolutely shocking that the referee didn't call that in real time. But again, they don't. Like, this is what VAR creates. VAR creates this this disaster situation where they're like, you know what? Eh, 50-50, I'm not going to call it because they're just going to tell me if I need to go back and look at it. And shit, Palace almost went down and scored. Now, that would have been a huge cluster F. Imagine. imagine Four on one. How how did they pull a Chelsea? (laughs) And, and And there was a clear penalty on the other side. Like... It just it makes the game no so goal. Much worse. Pull it back for a penalty, like the reversal. I don't know if Hodgson would have survived that. I mean, that's a lot, even for me. Yeah, right? I, I Matuake was very good today. Um, you know, I think just as we talked about Mudrick tracking back, he did a lot more of that. I know that's been the thing that's been called out about his game is that he's maybe not the most sound defensive talent. You know, more focused on his attack and his trickiness. But you needed someone like him in this game. You need someone who's going to try and dribble. You need someone who's going to make long runs. You needed someone who was going to take a risk. And he is a risk taker. That is his whole ball game. You know, you want to see him get a chance now because 
producing is a big deal. You know, he almost scored that worldly against Brentford. I think the last time that he was in a, a Premier League match, you start to see that confidence boil over. And he does. He has this. I, I know that personality is not a, a statistic in FIFA, but he has this fucking unbelievable positive personality that you just want to root for. I want to root for anyway. And you just want to see someone like that succeed. I, you know, I retweeted that video of him and Tiago after the game, you know, where he was trying to convince Tiago that, you know, he, he was going to do it. And then old, old granddad came over and gave him a big hug and, and made, made a really cool scene out of it. And, you know, I think, I think a guy like this, this does a huge amount for his confidence and the fact that he was confident enough to take that penalty. Right. That's a big moment. You know, he has barely played this year. You know, I know he scored a uh, pen in the early part of the Carabao Cup or something like that, but that's a big, big moment for him. And I think that hopefully Potts saw the value. Dan, I thought that was interesting on the pen. And we can go to the quotes is that um, Potts said after the match, he, he gave it to Connor, but said if you're tight or if you're not confident, give it to Noni Matawake. I don't think Connor was, um, or I'm sorry, not confident. I think he was tired. I think if anything, Connor's like, I've ran my absolute socks off. You know what? You, you got this. I'm sure he sees it in training. I thought that was really interesting to hear after the fact. But obviously, uh, on top of that, Potches, I think he's starting. I'm hoping that that quote and the players are acting responsibly. And then this quote he has about Nani Matawake is starting to show that Potch is understanding these players and how to kind of press their buttons. Because what he said about that Nani Matawake in public is um, either brilliant man management or absolute luck. Look, Con- Connor is about to hit almost level. I think he's going to be behind by like 10 or 15 minutes, the minutes that Thiago Silva has played this season. Like, he he is absolutely been a stalwart on the, on the pitch of the season. And cool moment for him to hand it to Matawake, Matawake earning the penalty. The fact that it took that long to adjudicate that it was a penalty, that was also stupid. But again, it goes our, it goes the right way and we move forward and we take it. Matawake has gone the same way the last couple of times. <laughs> and so maybe Henderson, not doing a great job of research, maybe he not thought Matawake would be getting a penalty on the day and he prepped for everybody who took one recently and... Yeah, it was great. I like the little run up. I like the uh, the the dinking it to the left there. Uh, I don't know. Perfect, perfect, Nick. No notes. Yeah, Pot said about Matuike. He plays free. The difference is he did what we needed in this moment. He went to play, and I liked it because he showed he was upset with me. Okay, sometimes he's been injured, but I think yes, I'm now going to show the coach he can trust me. It's a big moment of responsibility for a young guy. You have to remember he's still a young guy. This. Uh, the whole team is young. And so I was really, really pleased for him today because, you know, again, I, I like this guy. I like what he brings to the team. He's a whole different kind of winger than what we have. Otherwise, I think him and Palmer are maybe a little bit closer in their abilities on that right side. But in either event, you know, I, I'm really, really happy for them. And they both played together at the England level, too. So it'd be really interesting to see Palmer and Matt Awake get another hack at it, um, maybe as a 10 and a right wing combination. Look, they're both 21. So <laughs> they're both kids. Uh, let's see. Jackson uh, struggled offside. Super unfortunate. I was yelling about it was flicked. Therefore, you know, they didn't take that in consideration. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, uh, we needed him to score goals. But 
again, I'm, I talked about earlier, he was preseason Jackson. Uh, the way he came and got the ball, got involved in the play, opened up the play for people, um, was just far and away someone different, right? Like, he didn't even get cautioned for talking today. It was a good day for him. I just think this is, again, it goes back to the frustration of the bad Jackson, good Jackson, great Jackson, terrible Jackson. We never know what we're going to get. We're looking for some some linearity here again with these players, some predictability, but I, I don't know what you guys thought. I thought this was probably like his best performance as an all-around striker leading the line today uh, that we've seen all season. And and again, hearkening back to what we saw glimpses of in, in preseason. Dan, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I Every opinion across the spectrum on Jackson on Twitter today. I mean, everyone. I, I left... I think maybe a little bit more frustrated than uh, pleased because I think the open net that was gaping is just a shot that you have to convert. You know, and I, I think he was just slightly unlucky on the on the offsides. But you know, I, I also see the positives in the game today too. And the, the attack was a lot more free free flowing at times than we've seen. So I I don't know how you kind of came away from this. I think I. Was more on the frustrated than fun meter personally. I think he is a he's someone who was acquired from a foreign league for thirty five million pounds, and ultimately is a developmental young striker. Like he's going to be a streaky player. We knew that coming into this. I think we're hurting because the backup for Nico Jackson is Armando Broya who outside of his sample size at Southampton at the the top level is not necessarily the type of 1A, 1B type of solution. I mean, you might argue both of them are 2A, you know, it's 2A and 2B right now, and there's no elite striker up top, which is why we hear all these rumors about Chelsea going after a striker in January to add in the goals. When you look at Nico's performances across this season – I mean, he only has one game where he has scored more than one goal. He goes very long stretches without scoring in between. There's only been one set of matches where he scored in back-to-back matches. And he generally needs more than one shot on tar- one shot to score. And he generally needs more than one shot on target to score. Like, this is just who he is. But at least from a volume perspective, like, he is finding ways to score in the Premier League. Like, that is a good sign. I mean, he is our top scorer right now. Like, that is a positive thing. I think this was, in general, a good performance. I think he was very unlucky to have that goal ruled out because, again, goals build confidence for strikers. I think people looking and saying, run him out of town, I think that is way too overblown. I just think that, you know, he is going to take time. And you, you use this season to figure out where he's at at the end of the season. Like, hopefully he continues to develop and grow. Like, that's my thing. Like, continue to grow, continue to develop, continue to do some of the things that Brandon talked about where he was showing some more positives. But the the misses in isolation are very bad. And if we only fixate on that, it's going to be a – he will never be judged appropriately. Well, I think the other thing, Brennan, to me about his game, and I saw this argument on Twitter, and I can't remember who said it, so I apologize if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, idiot, that was me. Um he he misses these chances, but compared to where our strikers were last year, he's getting into the spaces to have the opportunity to shoot, which our strikers did not do last year. It's a really confusing conundrum to be in. 
because last year our strikers weren't even anywhere close to those positions, right? They they weren't even there to have the shot. Now we're we're there, but we're missing some. And I think that's where the frustration is. And I thought it was a really interesting kind of counter argument to the he's bad, should be run out of town thing. Because, you know, I again, I was frustrated with the miss. I, I think everyone was. But, you know, you, you kind of think about it that way. Maybe you kind of give him a little bit more grace. Yeah, look, our our team is nowhere near the standards. Nick, you you summed that up very well in the last episode of of kind of where we're at and who we are as a team. And we don't have Didier Drogba, all right? So we got to kind of bring our expectations down a little bit while supporting and pushing the team. Potch had a lot of good quotes on that. If you missed it, check out the uh, the Chelsea FC website. Uh, I've been asked a couple t- by a couple people on Discord about Petrovic and, and my thoughts and how he's doing. So... Look, I just want to keep it pretty short and sweet so far. Um, he's still standing on his line, right? He's still a little timid, which, you know, he's not coming out and collecting crosses right now, but I think that's fine. We saw a good shot stopping today, uh, really good footwork, which I've been really impressed with uh, to cover the goal. Held that shot late on, didn't give the rebound, which is great. And then one thing I did pull up from FB Ref is that uh, he has 100% uh, pass accuracy for uh, short and medium passes. So he essentially, anything within his half, he's he's money. He's cash money in. And uh, that's really helpful with distribution. Obviously, that's probably the biggest concern of Sanchez. We know Sanchez can come and get across. We know Sanchez can come get big. We know he can make a save. At least so far, I, I went to McLockbot to, to compare them, but also really to look at uh, Petrovic's player radar and I just say, we don't have a lot of stats. He's played two Premier League matches and a sub appearance for seven minutes. He played in the cup. Um, so we're working with a really limited body. But I would say is he's starting kind of like to stay solid at home and he's going to grow from there. And the basics look good, uh, which I think is a, is a great foundation to build on. But yeah, we're not seeing him do crosses. We're not seeing him come out and kind of be crazy. But um, he's a sweeper keeper. I will say that. He is a sweeper keeper, which is, is I think, helping the team as well. So uh, I'm not going to crown him as number one. I think a lot of people were asking me to say if I thought it was him or Sanchez. We don't need to know right now. We just need him to play with confidence. And whenever Sanchez is back, we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, we're building really nicely, which I think is great. Uh, Dan, we had some shout-outs for Alfie Gil- Gilchrist. Sub came on. Clearly, I will state this. This was a shot at Benoit. The pot saying not good enough. Yeah, I'm going to sub you in the 90th minute because this is not good enough. Uh, Gilchrist went as right back, slid everyone across. He's Hussey and Silva. Um, but a, a lot of a lot of shout-outs for him uh, went for making his full Premier League debut for Chelsea Academy kid. Been around since he was born, essentially. Yeah, interesting that it's coming in a more perilous moment. I mean, the fact that everybody's like, oh, yeah, we've got a couple minutes to lock this down. And he came out flying full of energy, full of that supercharged lemonade. My man was on one, and he had he had himself a little bit of a fun cameo here. I thought that was great. It, there were the videos circulating afterwards of John Terry talking at one of like the supporters group sessions and mentioning Gilchrist, and that clip is out there now, Nick. But in general, can't, can't be any on the excited anytime an Academy player gets an opportunity to get out in front of the home fans, gets a little bit of a touch of the ball, gets an opportunity to get a meme moment there. It's all gravy. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Discord having fun with this as well. Uh, 
with Alex in Houston saying kid is absolutely destroying his X claps. Um, that's uh, look, I think it's a stat that we need to uh, institute in this here podcast. And this is why you play the Cobham lads. They get the club. Ganazagina, obviously uh, vying for uh, Phil's heart um, on, on the uh, youth episodes that, that Brandon does. So, Look, I, I'm super happy for him. Obviously, you know, I think Alex Matos is the next one I look to to hopefully get some real game minutes. And, you know, if we have uh, an injury like we'll talk about coming up, uh, perhaps Matos is going to get the call because the, the midfield is paper thin right now. Yeah, look, and uh, just for everyone that doesn't know, Alfie Gilchrist is captain uh, every youth side at, or at every age group as well. So pure and proper Chelsea, which is why he... He loved it. Uh, lastly, uh, a negative here. Uh, it sounds like Pochettino's confirming that Lavia had a bit of an issue in in the match. He said, quote, I'm a little bit worried about Lavia. He finished with some issues, but I hope it's not a big issue, end quote. If that's not just the dumbest quote for us as supporters, I don't know what is because he had some issues. We're just hoping one of them isn't a big issue. Uh, but uh, again, we're being forced to play players before they're fully ready. This is the prize you win for playing that dumb game, unfortunately. Give give Matto some minutes, baby. That's all I'm saying. All right, Dan. Dan of the match time. Because we won, we get to play the game. Well, I kept it super easy on people and just said, uh, look, it's Malagusto, and you can try to convince us otherwise, like the the table meme. Uh, convince me some, some otherwise that it's not Malagusto. Nobody could convince me. So I think that was a pretty pretty locked-in option there. So uh, went went the uh, dictator out there, huh, Dan? Just no options. It's it's it's, it's in vogue right now. <laughs> Jesus. Well, look, uh, I probably stacked the deck on that as I literally send it in our group chat. Um, uh, that you know, Gusto was was the man of the match. He's absolutely everywhere. I would have loved to see the people choose him though. You know, just to confirm my bias and and what I saw. But anyways. Uh, let's look around the Premier League. Uh, all but two matches have been played. So Brighton and Tottenham have yet to play. Arsenal, West Ham will play as well. So my fantasy team has a lot of points on the table. But Force are beating Newcastle. Newcastle are broken, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, out of Europe and on a three to four game losing streak right now. So and Forest of all of all teams. I uh, guess that manager change is working after all. Uh, Bournemouth beating Fulham 3-0. Fulham were like the clean sheet heroes at one point, like mid-fall, and they have lost everything. Yeah. Yo-yo. Uh, weird, 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 weird team. Uh, Sheffield United losing 2-3 to Luton. Okay, two own goals by Sheffield absolutely fell apart and quite embarrassing. Uh, Liverpool 2-0 over Burnley. Wasn't really straightforward, though. They got one early and one really late. United somehow coming back to beat Villa three to two after Villa being up on them with two. Um, really, really frustrating to to see that happen, especially as we're trying to climb the table. Uh, Brentford one, Wolves four. Again, a bit of a surprising result. Brentford are, are really just slipping at this point. Wolves clearly loving life after having beat us uh, this past match. And then obviously our result, and then uh, Everton won Man City 3. Everton were winning and and looked like they had a chance, but Jordan Pickford absolutely fumbled the bag and uh, ended up losing 3-1. Oh, big time. Like, I I saw it. We had people over, and I saw it, and I was going to, like, go tweet about it, but I was like, nah. I don't don't have the full context, so I'm just going to let this one sit. Everyone knows. (laughs) Man, wild, wild matches on the festive period, Nick. 
wild matches. Yeah, I, I think the Luton match is particularly interesting coming up against them uh, on Saturday. They're they're playing some decent ball right now. Um, you know, they I think they were down twice in that match and came back to win. And you know, you, you look at that Sheffield United team, and that's basically them done. You know, you you can't lose those bottom three matchups like they have, and and I think that's going to unfortunately bury them. It yet to be seen if if Luton have enough or for a slip back in or or something like that. But I I think it's pretty safe to say that Everton is. <clears throat> is, is going to stay up this year. They're, they're playing some pretty good ball. Hey, without that points deduction, they'd be ahead of us. So thank oh, yeah. for that. Uh, Luton in December, a little bit interesting. They lost to Brentford three to one, lost to Arsenal three to four. In case we forget, lost to city right after that two to one. So they're in all these matches against big teams. Then they beat Newcastle. Now they beat Sheffield United and we are their last match on new year's Eve Eve. Uh, we hope it won't be a problem, Dan. But the table, the table, Dan, again, we weren't ever going to change our position. But my word, after we talked about how close we were to the teens, we needed to to solidify our position. But Wolves won, Bournemouth won. We are now tied with 10th, 11th, or we're in 10th. And we're tied with 11th and 12th place teams all on 25 points. Our plus two goal difference being the only thing saving us right now. Well, and Brighton looking very human as well. I mean, they are within striking distance here. A bad result for them. Look, maybe a little uh, little draw. I mean, they would be be a target to potentially go equal on if we were to beat Luton before the end of the year. That would be a wonderful thing to have happen. But it's Liverpool in the top, 42 points. Arsenal second with 40th, uh, 40 points. Third place, Aston Villa on 39. Man City rounding out the top four, 37 points. Both Arsenal and City have matches in hand, though. Tottenham in fifth place at 36 points. Remember when Tottenham were going to win the league under Big Ange? That was great. I remember that. You're welcome. Um, Man United, West Ham, Newcastle, Brighton, again, finish out the top nine, and then it's Chelsea in 10th. And then again, we mentioned the bottom, Sheffield United, nine points in 20th, uh, Burnley, 11 points in 19th place, and Luton, 15 points in 18th place. There's starting to be a little bit of separation, uh, but not too much down there. No, I mean, Sheffield absolutely gone. I mean, Burnley need to start to try to do something if they want to, but I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if they left the Premier League again. So again, 10th, squarely in the middle of the table, big opportunity. Who do, I wonder who Brighton play next because that could uh, that could change some things. If we, can, if we could jump them and get into single-digit places, which I know, I know everyone is groaning as they hear this, right? It's very pathetic. Uh, they play Tottenham tomorrow and then West Ham. So you'd imagine those are both losable matches and they're at least going to drop some points between those next two. Uh, we definitely need to capitalize as we have Luton and then we have Fulham in mid January. You know why? Cause we've got two cup competitions. We're in love that feeling we'll FA cup and then EFL cup as well. Semifinal there. All right. Well, that's it from us today. Again, it was good to uh to celebrate obviously we did the christmas eve pod it was not very enjoyable we are now coming at you presents are opened uh drinks have been shared laughs around the fireplace three points fc we are back baby uh if you only watched the first eh, 44 minutes nick you might think we were uh charging for the title you you wouldn't think that though would you um 
I, I do want to give a special shout out to the uh, to the uh, holiday special that was published on Christmas Day. If you're looking for a good, fun listen after this one, go listen to that one. Rick and uh, and Gary did a great job. Absolutely, lots of content over the holiday period. In case you missed it, check out the feed. A lot of good stuff, including Matt. So, all right, that's gonna wrap us. A uh, ton more content as always coming at you. We'll be back uh, with the Luton preview. Then the Luton Review, we got uh, Chelsea Youth Update, and I think we have Matt damn near every single week in January because, well, it's transfer time. So anyways, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.